0: Today's scripture is Acts 9, 1 through 19. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, Hearing the voice, but seeing no one, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. How much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I shall show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Now, there, there you go. What was it? Uh, wow. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Glad that you are here. I have written on a piece of paper. I wouldn't think I need to write this down. This is a very special day, uh, meaning it's Easter Sunday. I was talking to somebody uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about. Stuff and what we do and we got to Easter and and it was somebody very suspicious and even antagonistic and and he was talking about how big is Easter? And he's a sports guy and I said well if you can imagine the Super Bowl and the NBA finals and the World Series and the Stanley Cup and the Olympics And and whatever else all combined and exponentially multiplied. That's how big this day is for us It's the one day that we kind of formally stop and across all of the churches all around the world acknowledge the resurrection of Jesus. It's central to the Christian faith. In fact, in the passage that was just read to you, there was a guy named Saul, and that Saul becomes Paul, the apostle. Once you saw and read about was his conversion. And, and, and Paul, who is arguably the strongest advocate of the Christian faith that we have in history, at one point in his writing said, if this resurrection is not real, then this whole thing is a joke. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then this is a gigantic waste of time. But we're comfortable talking about that. Uh, We're comfortable even saying to you, if you're suspicious or antagonistic about the faith, all you have to do is disprove the resurrection, and this whole thing comes tumbling down. We're comfortable acknowledging that because we're pretty confident you're not going to be able to do that. That it is a resurrection, a fact. We're going to look at that today. Here's what I want you to know. I know that there are some of you, maybe many of you, who are here today kind of reluctantly. Easter's a little bit like Christmas. It's that day when people have invited you to church. It's like the day that, that you finally show up. So the room has in it, Reluctant junior high and high schoolers who are here to kind of appease their parents. There are spouses who are married to men or women who believe, and this is your, I'll throw you a bone day, and you're here. There's neighbors and coworkers, and and your friends have been on you for 52 weeks, and finally you said, I'll go, you're here. Uh, there's extended family members, and you were lured here with the promise that if you can endure this, you get Hawaiian rolls and ham at the at the end of the day. So I, I know all that, and, and and I'm so sensitive to that that I want you to know you're here for a reason, that God's working in your life. We're going to look at a story today. You read it. Two main characters, humanly speaking, Saul and Ananias. But the real main character in this story and throughout this Bible is God. And if you're one of those, I'll throw you a bone people who are here today, I want you to know you're here for a reason. I, uh, I'm comfortable confessing this. I, I really like Oprah. I'm a big Oprah fan. Oprah not being on, you know, kinda bums me out. I got Ellen now, but (laughs) but she's not as deep as Oprah. But but Oprah used to say, and she's not the only one, lots of people say this. And and maybe you're one of those I'll throw you a bone people, I'll bet you say it too. Help me out with this. Everything happens what? For a reason. Well, we just say that. It's kind of like a cool thing to say. But if you think about that, for that to be true, there has to be someone in control, someone who's all-knowing and all-powerful, who can maneuver things. If you're one of those everything-happens-for-a-reason people and you're here today, then by definition, you're here for a reason. And and I'm going to take it that if God's got you here for a reason, at least part of this is to hear this message. Not me, but that God wants to communicate to you. Now, we made a decision. John mentioned there's 10 congregations. We made a collective decision. I I wasn't in the room when it was made. That we're just going to continue our study in the book of acts. So if you look with me at Acts chapter 9 verse 1, when you see it on the screen, it says and now Saul still. Just those three words tell you you're dropping into an ongoing story. If if this were a TV series, it would pause right now and say previously in the book of Acts, okay? Previously, there's something going on. And and you would get it real quick that whoever this Saul is, he's a key guy, and he's breathing. He's breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Let me tell you a little bit about Saul. He was born a Jew. His citizenship was as a Roman, and he was educated as a Greek. He's an extraordinary mind. If you were to Google, and I'd ask you not to do it now, but sometime. If you were to Google most influential people in in history, we're talking about the history of the world. We're talking about the 14 billion people that have lived on the planet. On almost every list, Saul, who by the time he hits this list, is called Paul, will be on that list. Saul, raised as a Jew, trained by the elite, the most famous, respected rabbi of his time, maybe all time, when Jesus burst onto the scene and Jesus began to teach this Christian faith in Jerusalem. Remember that? I think I talked about it a couple weeks ago. That early church were, were all Jews. Jesus bursts on the scene, he begins to teach, and it's a threat to the leaders of the day, the Jewish leaders, for different reasons. But theologically, this was upsetting everything. Now, in reality, Jesus did not turn the world upside down, but he turned the world right side up. The Jews didn't know what to do with this and ultimately came up with a plot to killed Jesus. They did that. That's what we celebrated, which sounds like a weird word, but it's what we commemorated, celebrated on Good Friday, and this morning is Easter morning. Jesus rose from the dead, not just an empty tomb. Uh, my fear is we could sing about an empty tomb and miss the fact that the the, the, the tomb is empty, yes, but it's not that empty tomb that we worship. It's the risen Christ. As I was sitting here for service, I was trying to my, put myself in, in the place of those of you who, who uh, literally walked into this cold and, and wondering, what, what did you hear? Because we sang songs with vocabulary that make all sorts of sense to us. But, but you're here with that invitation from a friend, and we're singing about blood's dripping and nailing to a cross and crowning thorns and man of sorrows. I don't want any of that. Well, well here's what we're doing. We're giving you God's plan for redeeming all of mankind. Mankind has a fundamental problem. And, and I don't care. If, you, if you're, you know, if you're 10 years old, you figured out something's wrong in this world. I, I am not exaggerating. Every morning, the, the second thing I do is get my phone and go and see if we blew up anything overnight. And, and then I turn on the news and I get the weather, but I but I also get the local news. And essentially, every day, somebody got stabbed that night, shot that night, hit and run that night. And it's not just here, big city. I'm from Davenport, Iowa. Any Iowans in the room? They're always Iowans. They're always. We're a strong, hearty people, Iowa. Idiots out walking around. I mean, we're a hearty. We're a hardy group of people. I owe the world an apology. I love I love Iowa But I'm from the Quad Cities and it's a it's an area of 300,000 people, but you don't think of it as a big city and every day I get the Quad City times on, on my computer and every day it's 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 like Chicago, but just this morning You know, man wounded in gunfight. It's every day. We sense that something's wrong in the world. Something's wrong in the country. Something's wrong in the state. This is like one of those global maps. We're coming in on you. Something's wrong in the county. Something's wrong in Peoria. Something's wrong in your neighborhood. Something's wrong in your house. Something's wrong with you. And, and it's called sin. And because of sin, you're born separated from God. You sense something's wrong, so your flinch is to try to fix it. That's called religion. You might even be here today to try to fix it. That might be why you came you came willingly, you came because church is kind of a place it seems like you ought to go to if something's wrong, and and you'll come, and you'll be here, and you'll pay attention, and you'll hang around maybe even for baptism, and on the way out, you'll grab some money, the folding kind, not change, maybe a 5, maybe a 10, maybe a 20, and you'll drop it in there, and at the end of the day, you're going to say, God had to be pretty impressed with that. Well, he's not. That's why Jesus died. Jesus died. And and Saul was part of a group of Jewish leaders that once Jesus died, they thought this Christian thing was over, but it's, it's like a little fire that keeps popping up. So Saul is still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, the followers of Christ. He's gone throughout Jerusalem, and he's begun to try to wipe out this faith through suffering, persecution, even murder. And now he goes to the high priest. They would have a authority. The Romans would look to the high priest as kind of the Jewish governing authority. And he asked for letters to, from him, the high priest, to the synagogues at Damascus. D- Damascus is about 140 miles away from Jerusalem. Large Jewish population, and the suspicion is that Christianity was starting to catch on there. So Saul, being a zealot, he's not playing around with his faith. He's serious about it. He's going to go, and he's going to wipe it out. He's looking for people who belong to, do you see it there in verse 2, the way. Christianity is referred to six times in the book of Acts as the way. Again, some scholars suggest that, that like many things, the way was a disparaging term that the world used to talk about Christianity. That happens sometimes, right? The people who are against something, name it. And they call it the way. It's those people of the way. It might refer to their lifestyle. It, it, it for us, flows right out of John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. A definite article. Here's what Jesus said. This is the Jesus who rose from the dead. Now, if Jesus rose from the dead, you better listen. Every time time I turn on the news, it'll go, breaking news. And I'm thinking, "Ah, I better hang on and watch this. Breaking news. This giraffe finally had a baby. I mean, I've been waiting. This is longer than I waited for my own kids to be born. Finally, the giraffe, breaking news. Well, that's not breaking news. Breaking news, thunderstorms. Okay, I'll give you breaking news. Jesus rose from the dead. That's a Fox News alert right there. Breaking news. That Jesus who rose from the dead, that, that Jesus said, I'm the way. There isn't any other way. I'm the truth. In, in, a, in a culture like ours, that's very accepting. Lots of ways, lots of things, many ways. Jesus said, no, that's not true. There's this way, and it's the only way. You must be born again. And I, I know the reaction, because I had it myself. That's very narrow. That's very hard. I found physical birth to be that way. Very narrow. Very difficult. <laughs> but only one way in here. You're not morgue for mork that beamed in here. This Jesus, they're now about to try to wipe his followers off the face of the earth. Verse 3, Saul's on his way, he's traveling, and as he's approaching Damascus, suddenly there's a light, and there's a flash, and he heard a voice. Remember I said it's about 140 miles, about a seven-day walk, Saul would be walking along, with him would be the Sanhedrin police, but as a Pharisee, he would not have much to do with them. So by and large, he's walking along, walking through Galilee. It had to bring up, you know, you're on a walk, what do you do but think? It had to bring up this memory of Jesus, who he said he was, what he did, Fresh in his mind, because he's still breathing threats, fresh in his mind is what we saw in Acts 6, 7, and 8, the, the stoning of Stephen. Now, we always need to stop here, because language over time has changed its meaning. So when we said Stephen was stoned, okay, we don't mean he's going smoking weed and getting high. Stoned means a form of capital punishment. It was Saul who oversaw this. And he is not playing with his faith. He's committed to this. He's consumed by it. He heads to Damascus, and he has what we commonly refer to as a Damascus road experience. It's become part of our secular vocabulary. I'm, I'm watching a couple of weeks ago uh, a discussion about a politician who changed his position on a key issue, and the commentator said he had a Damascus road experience. It, it means a radical change. In Saul's life, he hears a voice, and it said, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? The, the, the repetition of his name is, suggests a rebuke. Saul, if, if you can see it as a parent with a child. L- look up here. Saul, Saul, look up here. Why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? That word Lord seems to be that Saul recognized deity at this moment. Didn't fully understand it. Who are you? I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. <laughs> then verse 6, we can build a whole message around it. Verse 6 is pretty cool. He said, get up and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. Verse 7, the men with him didn't hear anything, but Saul stood up. There's a great rule of thumb tucked away there in verse 6 and 8. If God tells you to do something, here's a good idea. Do it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to figure it out. If he told you to do it, do it. See, here's what happens when someone comes to Christ in repentance and faith. Their life radically changes. If you say, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. If you're one of those people that in just about 15 minutes will be taking communion, if you're one of those people, then your life needs to look transformed. There was a point in time where a Christian was sharing his faith with the uh, philosopher Kierkegaard. Shared his faith and paused, and Kierkegaard said, If you want me to believe in your Redeemer, you must look a little more redeemed. There should be something different and unique about us. We're people of the way. And and Saul, like the rest of the world, is going to persecute that. They're going to mock that. When you go into the gym or you walk into the campus or you're walking through the neighborhood, or you're at work. There are going to be people who mock you for your faith. That's okay. You know what that means? They're seeing Jesus in you. They like you. They've wanted to hang around with you, but now they see Jesus in you. And what they're rejecting is not you, but the Christ they see in you. And Saul has this moment. He hears a voice. The people around him hear a voice. They don't see anyone. Saul does, and he gets up, and he moves to Damascus, and he's there three days, no food, no water. Now, as God's working in Saul's life, when we get to verse 10, he's working also in the life of Ananias. God's working. God's orchestrating. God's in control. That's why I can say to you again, you're here today, it's one of those, I'll throw you a bone people. You, you may feel you're throwing somebody a bone, but let me tell you what's going on. God's working in you. God's got you here. Not because I'm here, but because his message is proclaimed here. He, he wants you to hear that he loves you. For God so loved the world, you, that he gave his only begotten son. If you believe in him, you have eternal life. You'll die physically, but you'll live forever. Just read last night, the oldest, they believe, the oldest person in the world, the last person we know of who was born in the 1800s, died yesterday. I mean, 116 or 17 years old. That's pretty impressive. Impressive. I'm 67. I'm, you know, almost, a little over halfway there. I can't imagine another 60 years of this. But even if you get to 117, here you go. You're going to die. And, and, and at death, I'm either going to be welcomed into the presence of Christ, or I'm going to be separated from him for all eternity. I didn't bring my phone, but I I got uh, three emails last week about a man who works at the church. One was that he went to the doctor, and the doctor said he's sick, and after some tests, get this, the doctor said, you're going to die in three days to two weeks. Wow. Then about four days later, I got a text saying his family had called from hospice to say he was breathing his last breath that he would see Jesus tonight and four hours later I got an email that said he's in the presence of Christ this same Christ that Saul saw on the road to Damascus he's with him now gosh this is cool I got goosebumps. Not many things do that to me. I got goosebumps. He's with Jesus right now. Because at some moment along the way, like this, he acknowledged his sin. He acknowledged that his sin separated him from God. And he believed Jesus was who he said he was. And Jesus is believable because he can say, I'm going to rise from the dead. Here you go. And he did it. Nobody's done that. Ananias is going to be a vehicle that God uses and he says to Ananias, I want you to go to the street called Straight and you're going to find this guy named Saul. And when you get there, I I want you to go and he'll regain his sight. This is a wonderful picture of what can happen in your life today. You you can see physically 2020 and be spiritually blind Our prayer would be today the scales would fall off your eyes and you would see that this thing that you sense is wrong is really sin and you can't fix it, but God did. Jesus died on the cross. You know what? That's just historic fact. I don't think anybody disputes that. It's in Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Is it the fact? And Jesus rose from the dead. And what's fascinating is Saul and all these others who are persecuting the church are doing it in Jerusalem, and those early, Peter and John, those early preachers of the gospel preached the crucifixion and the resurrection right in Jerusalem. If ever there was a place and a time to disprove this resurrection, it was there, first hand. And they tried, and they couldn't out-argue. They couldn't disprove, so they did what bullies do. They tried to kill. Here you go. We didn't plan it because we're not that smart. On Easter Sunday, we're working our way through the book of Acts, and we're at kind of the ultimate conversion. Saul. What I'd love for you to understand is that your conversion, mine, is exactly the same as Saul's. Circumstantially different, but substantially the same. That that God that maybe you've pushed away, or maybe you've been somebody who's created a God in your own image. The God you want him to be this way. A fictitious God, as real as as the Easter bunny. He melts away when you compare him to the one true God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And and, and I'm afraid, and I hope I didn't, that, that I talk so much about heaven that that I forgot to tell you if you want a rich life on earth, you're only going to experience it through Jesus, not through any other person, place, or thing. We're humanly wired to think: if I get that, if I get that, if I get that, I'll be happy. I got a picture last night uh, from my daughter, my grandson. plays on a baseball team, and uh, he's good. Why wouldn't he be? He's got my genes. Yeah, yeah, he's good, and they were in a tournament yesterday, won three games, which has got to be a long day for a little guy wearing a bunch of catching gear, and then they brought him in to pitch the last game. And there's a beautiful picture of him with his big smile like this, and they got a ring. Now, I don't know what you're doing giving a ring to a 9-year-old. That's a different discussion. But he's got this ring. He's so proud of that ring. Now, I know him well enough to know – He's lost it by now. (laughs) But at the beginning of that day, if you told him you get a ring, he'd say, man, that's everything. Those of us who are a little older have gotten a bunch of rings and a bunch of trophies and a bunch of checks, made a bunch of deals. You've gotten scholarships. You found that person that you fell in love with, and you said, if I can get her or him... You've had everything life said is going to make you happy and something's missing. What's missing, missing is Jesus. And you can have him today. Now, here's what I've learned. I've done 26 Easters. At moments like this, in all likelihood, if you're in that, I'll throw you a bone group. I raised more questions than I answered. What you need to do is not push back that that questioning that's in you, but bring it forward. Talk to the people that are around here with the lanyards on. Call the church. Set up a time to meet with them. This, I have no idea when you pull up your schedule, what you have on your schedule this week. Nothing's more important than Jesus and what you do with him. The guys are going to come back and lead us in our time of communion Uh, our time of of worship, and then really something special, baptism, where, where you get to see people who are obediently responding to this call, God's place to their life. Let me pray as the worship team comes. Father, thank you for this awesome and amazing truth, this work that you did in our life. God, thank you for Jesus, for his life, his death, his resurrection, Thank you for the church that proclaims this truth. God, I pray for those people that are here today, special guests. Let them know how honored we are to have them with us. And we pray you would work in their life. Draw them to you through your son, Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.